Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Sophisticated Rebels podcast. I'm Kasten Spethman, your host, and today I'm going to be talking with a gentleman by the name of Franz Beasley. Franz is located in Phoenix, Arizona, and has quite a remarkable background and story of overcoming great odds. So Franz was incarcerated the first time uh, at the young age of 19, and um, was incarcerated a second time and in total, I think, spent 14 years in prison. It's what he did after prison that is so remarkable. He is quite well known in the Phoenix area. He's done amazing projects to help other parolees get back into society. And uh, he just actually spoke to a gentleman who had been incarcerated for 41 years straight and really helped this guy. And uh, anyway, his stories are incredible. And what you'll notice is I have to do very little interviewing in this episode. Franz is such an eloquent speaker and his story is so gripping that I just let him speak. And I think you're going to be blown away at some of the reasons that he got into a life of crime and what actually got him out of a life of crime. Um, So I want to start by explaining, first of all, how I know him, because we don't go into this in the actual interview, and it's a pretty important part of it. So six years ago, I had been invited to a some sort of function. I believe it maybe, maybe was a rotary function. Um, I was still living in Arizona, and the speaker at this luncheon was going to be the new uh, chief of police. And so I was, I was very excited, and I just happened to be seated at a table with the chief of police and several other people and also one of the deputies that was with him. And so we had some time to chat uh, kind of what, during the time that we ate and we were waiting for him to get up and, and do his part. And I brought up the subject of wanting to help with parolees and maybe help them start a business. Because if you guys have listened to this for a while, you know that I am a lifelong entrepreneur. I love helping entrepreneurs. And the reality is it's very hard for people who are felons or have a felony on their record to get a job. Even at McDonald's, it's very hard. And so I thought, you know, maybe starting a business would be a better route. So it's just asking if they knew of any programs that existed that were similar that I could maybe get involved with and volunteer with and so forth. And literally this police chief looked at me and said, that's not our division or our department. We just, we help the victims and we put the bad guys in jail. And I thought, oh my gosh, no wonder there is such a reoffending, high reoffending rate. I mean, so many of these people end up back in prison and it's not a surprise if people have an attitude like that. And um, so instantly I was turned off. I didn't like this police chief. And I thought, what an arrogant prick. And so when he was up speaking, ironically, the, the um, police officer that was with him wrote down on a piece of paper and slid the piece of paper across the table to me. And she wrote down Franz Beasley's name and contact information. And she said to me, this gentleman is doing exactly what you're asking about and what you're looking for. Contact him. He is amazing. And good luck. I was blown away. I think she must have been so embarrassed of her boss and I was so glad that she had the guts to to do that because the next day I called Franz and pretty soon I was um, down at his facilities 
speaking with some of the students, that's what they call them, students, and I was talking to them about what it would look like for them to start their own business and where they could find resources and what they thought of that. And it was very, very cool. And so years later, here we are, and Franz has grown his nonprofit, AZ Common Ground, to an enormous level and is doing so much more than just helping parolees. And uh, I just absolutely admire this guy. He is so humble. It's just crazy. So um, here's, I'll leave you with this too. That police chief that I thought was such a jerk uh, didn't last long. I believe it was a year later that he was fired from his job. So I'm hoping that that means there is a better chance for a police chief to be in there that does understand that you don't want people reoffending and are open to the idea of programs that help these folks after they get out of prison and they've done their time and they've paid their debt so that they can get out and be a contributor to society and not end up back in jail or back in prison. So with that, um, we'll dive in. You're going to love this. It's a little over an hour interview. I didn't even get to ask him the normal questions that I ask everybody at the end of our podcast because he just had so much to say and I just didn't want to take too much of his time. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. It is amazing. Hey guys, quick note here before we start today's episode. For those of you that don't know, I am a huge dog lover. I have helped start shelters all over the place and have had dogs my whole life. That is my passion outside of bringing you goodness to your ears and uh, you know providing training and education for entrepreneurs. I am all about saving as many dogs as possible. So what I've decided to do in each episode, I'm gonna showcase a different dog rescue. These are gonna be all over the country so that no matter where you're listening, maybe there's a dog rescue near you that you can get involved with or get your next best friend from, share with others, etc. And so today is our first one and the showcased uh, dog rescue that I wanna talk about today is called Agave Dogs. It is based right here in Portland, Oregon and these guys are amazing so what they do is they pull dogs from california texas and parts of mexico that are either homeless dogs or they're in very high kill shelters so what they do is they have a volunteer group that then transports these dogs to the portland area where they are assessed in their foster homes and then once they're healthy enough and they are ready to be adopted, they do all kinds of cool programs to get the word out and get these pups into a new home. They're just a great organization. I'm so excited to showcase them today. Um, If you want to learn more about them and see if maybe there's a doggy that you would like, go to agavedogs.com and you can also look them up on Facebook. So agavedogs.com, Portland, Oregon, our first showcase, I hope you guys go find your new best friend very soon. And if you have any other rescues that you want me to know about and showcase, please let me know. Hi, Franz. Hey, good morning. How are you today? 
I'm very well. I'm in, in loving life because of the Arizona weather right now. <laughs> mm, so lucky, so lucky. Well, um, thank you so much for being on today. I, when I started this podcast and I made my list of the people that I absolutely had to have on the show, you were one of the top at the li- of the list because you are such a unique individual. You're doing so much good, and I want the world to know about you and be more like you, quite honestly. So um, in the introduction, I went ahead and shared with the listeners how we know one another. So we'll skip that part and just dive in because I know we have a lot to cover. Um, And let's just dive in and have everyone listening know a little bit about your background and who you are. Sure. Um, Well, today I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to uh, be the head of the uh, the president and co-founder of a of a Phoenix-based nonprofit uh, called Arizona Common Ground, uh, which works with both youth and adults uh, that are either one have been convicted of a felony or misdemeanor conviction and are uh, trying to learn to navigate now that they have a conviction and had to have to uh, build their lives moving forward now that they have a conviction in their lives and all the the obstacles associated with that um, conviction. And then, of course, those that are recently released out of jail and prison uh, here in, in Arizona, more specifically in Maricopa County. Um, and so we've, okay. I've, been, I've been fortunate um, to run that organization since May of 2010. Um, and so most of my, my, my days are spent either, one, working in prevention, uh, working with young people to stay out of trouble and not to develop lifestyles of crime and to learn to stay out of the criminal justice system altogether. And then, of course, um, uh, working with with uh, with individuals as they're getting out of the jail and prison system, and on the back end, trying trying to help them to to learn to build uh, life after a conviction or life after incarceration. Um, and so uh, that's you know that, that's that's mainly how my day is ran most days. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Well, um, can we start from if I could if I could have you start from the beginning and share with the listeners kind of where you grew up and how you grew up and how you came to this, you know, industry and um, more about your personal story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm from, I'm from uh, South Phoenix uh, when, especially and I grew up during a time in South Phoenix when, um, let, let's just say that the, a great deal of the California uh, gang members and so forth were bringing uh, crack cocaine into the neighborhoods, mainly into lower income areas, um, predominantly black and Latino areas. Um, and that's where I was raised in that type of South Phoenix, uh, where uh, we went from just being regular kids growing up to um, kind of this onslaught and, and this, this wave of, of violence that we never knew in our, in our communities at that time. But that's what happens when, uh, you know, kind of the drug culture uh, came in. Um, at, at the time, it, it's important, and many people know today, um, you know, with with all the education that's out there, the difference between cocaine and, of course, crack cocaine. Cocaine, when I was a, you know, prior to me, you know, a generation ahead of me, was more, you know, it's more, it was, it was for people who could afford it. It really wasn't, you know, it didn't didn't really right. permeate into the black communities because you just didn't have it. You know, what I mean, you didn't have access to it like that. You didn't have the money for it, and, and it wasn't just black people that didn't have it. it was just a lot of people didn't have it. You know, it was it was, a, it was more for people who had the money to actually purchase it. But when yeah. When uh, when cocaine was actually bought 
um, you know, in kilos and so forth and, and then turned into crack cocaine, well, then it became accessible into, into lower income communities. And it, you know, it basically became light, lights out in many of these communities uh, and set those communities on fire. And then, of course, all the subsequent violence that, that follows behind with, with drug wars and trying to win turf and all that. And, and of course, going into lower income areas um, started a war, not just within the communities, but it also started with law enforcement and so forth. Um, you know, so it, that was the, that was, those were the neighborhoods I grew up in. And at the same time, um, I grew up in, I guess, what we would call today a domestically violent home. I mean, it just, um, okay. you know, with two parents who, who personally, I, I believe, never should have been together, <laughs> you know, and, right. and they, gave birth, right. they gave birth to several of us. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, they, they you know, they think they did the best with, with, with the, the coping skills that they had, like most of us. And, right. and I don't think they meant wrong. I just... You know, like all oh, we've we've all been there with a bad relationship at some point, and just but they they try to hold it together like most families back then. They were both both my parents were born in the 30s, and they believe that no matter what it is, you stay together, and uh, right. and that was what it was. So that you know, keep the family together. Um, if I could, if I you know, if I could, if I had a magic wand, would I change that? Yeah, with when it came to them, but yeah, but we but we were raised nonetheless to the best of what they had to offer. It did come with a lot of abuse. Um, Oh. And so what I found myself doing is is uh, spending most of my time as a younger person um, trying to find ways to avoid confrontation with my dad, confrontation with my mother. Um, and then, of course, you know, it, it, little by little, uh, you find yourself alienating yourself from, from the household and you start finding that, well, there is a, another place where I can release anger. And, and it's these, these, these mean streets out here that give you plenty of opportunity for a young person who's lost, doesn't have much purpose. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to look for trouble, it's all around you. And uh, you kind of just pick your, pick, your, pick your choice of whatever it is you want. And that's what I found for myself as my outlet. I mean, it's what I did. And, and Kasten, I'll be up front. I, I, you know, I always, I always preface most of these conversations and interviews by, first of all, stating um, that I've always known uh, that there were other choices I could have made with my life, just so that we can be clear. I didn't, I've always known the difference, and I've always had power over that. I just, you know, I chose, this is what I chose, and, uh, and, I, right. and I never right. make excuses for that. It's just that that is the direction I went. And uh, little by little, I did start noticing that, started getting into petty crime, you know, starting to, to hang out with the wrong crowd. Um, and when I mean wrong crowd, I just mean individuals that spend most of their time not in school, not in not doing <laughs> extracurricular activities. They're just, they're individuals that are always eating and sleeping and breathing crime and looking for something new to do. And I found yeah. myself more gravitating towards those type of individuals. And um, even though I'd go to school, I mean, I, I, you know, I went to school. I always ha had great grades. I used to give great grades mainly so I could stay off the radar of my parents most of the time, mm, as long as that right. would work. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, but it didn't always work. I mean, you know, you, you, you give them A's, you give them B's, you give them whatever you can. But, you know, sometimes you hope that that works. Sometimes it, you might as well have gotten an F. You're still going to get punished. You're still going to get hit or whatever is the, is the case. So um, what I okay. discovered is, is that I, I, um, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the life of, of the street much more because there was there was an instant gratification and there's constant people around you that are always applauding your activities when you do something. Um, of course, it's on the wrong side, but, you know, it, yeah. I, I discovered in looking back on things, it just, I, I discovered what I wasn't getting at home. I, I found it was accessible in the street and I went in that direction. And so I finished high school. I graduated from St. Mary's High School in 1992. Um, uh -huh. And I don't know how I, I graduated to be completely upfront. <laughs> I, I sometimes I always think I was that kid that they just said, you know, 
there's a probability that if we kick him out, he'll be back. Let's just go ahead and let him through the system. Oh, I, that's just I don't, wrong. I, I, wow. I, 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 just, I just don't remember what I was doing in high school, and it's, it's, it's just – it was such a blur during that time. I was in such a dark period of my life where – just just running and just going and so confused about life you know of course at the time it makes so much sense when you're a kid you don't you don't realize at the time all the what 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 road you're taking and where it's ending um you know you can't see the outcome you can only see whatever's feeding you at the time and and in high school i couldn't see all the the the, the bad and negative decisions i was i was i was literally bringing upon myself i, I didn't see that um because it just all seemed to make sense i make sense of whatever it was i was trying to accomplish there um, but sure. uh, I graduated in 1992, and then a year and a half later, within a year and a half, I found myself uh, getting arrested for the first time in my life uh, at the age of 19, and I was, I was arrested for an armed robbery and a kidnapping. Um, that was my, oh my. my first time, and, uh, and so that was my introduction to the actual criminal justice system of actually coming in for the first time. Um, and so from there, um, I, w- I was sentenced later to five years on a plea bargain, uh, five years. And when I got to prison, it was an interesting thing. Uh, most people asked me, Franz, what was your first experience when you went in? The first experience, uh, interestingly enough, I wasn't afraid. That was the first thing. You know, I, I, you, know you, you hear all the stories about prison. You hear about all the tough guys and the tattoos. But people didn't realize I grew up in that already. I had, I'd already been around <laughs> all of that. And I, I also discovered when I got to prison that many of the individuals that were in there, um, whatever society may think of them, they were in there because they committed a crime. It wasn't necessarily that they were criminals. And, and I, sometimes I have to educate people. There's a difference. There are some people that have truly committed a crime, and that's it. It's they're, they're done. Yeah, they're in prison, but it doesn't make them a criminal. They, they made a, a, a terrible decision one day, and that's the end of it. It's just, but they're in there, and they've been sentenced because they violated a criminal code that required they go to prison. But then there were other people, and I knew I fit into that category of people who we eat, we sleep, we breathe crime. It's what we do all day long. We think of opportunities and how we feed that, 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 that addiction to the lifestyle. And I just knew there was a difference. And when I came to prison, I realized that. I said, wow, it's not as bad as people think it is. It's just you, 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 there's a criminal element inside of prison, and you can be a part of that. Um, that interests mm-hmm. me when I first went in. And then there's other people who are just literally sitting there just doing their time until they get released. Um, and, and I knew that wasn't me. <laughs> I was the other side, always looking for the criminal element. And that was the first really? time I had went in. Yeah. And uh, May, 3rd, May 3rd, 1998, I was released. Um, I had a $38 check in my hand uh, from my release. I had saved that up and uh, came back to the same neighborhood I had left. Um, and within a month, I had uh, I had I had a vehicle. I had a, my own apartment. I had a wardrobe, and I still had that thirty-eight dollar check in my hand. And I was already back and running again into the crime, you know, into the crime world again. Sure, um, sure. And the only time I ever had a job was when when I just needed to be able to give information to my parole officer that I was working. I mean, basically, I just kept a job for cover-up. And uh, within within a year, I, I was back in in jail again, arrested again, uh, May fifth. 1999 uh, for another conviction, uh, this time another armed robbery. And uh, what, was, what I oftentimes joke to audiences is, is that uh, 
you know, what was Cinco de Mayo, what is the Independence Day for some, it was not for me <laughs> that day. So yeah. I always, yeah. always think about that. Yeah, back in again. This time I fought in trial uh, against this one. I fought and I lost almost a year later. I was, uh, I, was, I was found guilty and I was sentenced to 12 years this time. Um, and I was back in the system. And to be completely upfront, I, I, at that time, um, I had all sorts of ideas of what I was going to do when I got out this time. You know, just but it was all about how was I going to be better at what I did, you know, and, and how do you do things? Wow. What went wrong? Mm-hmm. Looking at it. Sure. How do you not way, get caught? Thing, right. Right. How do you not get caught? What are things you should have thought about? What are the, you know, you just think about a million different things. Uh, sort of the way you put together a business plan, you know, <laughs> it's like you, you yeah. put it together again. Um, and the reality is, is that I was still a criminal, very much so. My mentality was crime. I, I wasn't angry at anyone. I, I sort of had kind of a, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of had, I never complained about sentencing and crime and police officers and judges. I just always felt these are decisions that I make. I've made and, you know, this is the route I chose in life, so why cry about it? I've just never, I never had that mentality um, because I knew what not, it was. Not really you're, the victim, put, yeah, not, yeah, so you, know, you yeah, take I'm, on I'm that not, victim role, right, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah because I, I know what real victims look like. I've, I've, I've created plenty of them, and, and, and I knew I, that wasn't me. The, these folks have no control over what's happening. I, I, I'm the one with holding all the, all, all, I'm the one holding the gun, you know, the, yeah. the, the scary aspect, though, um, that did, did, did happen to me at one point while I was in, uh, that, that was kind of one of the turning points in my life, I just didn't know it at the time, was that um, uh, a, a younger individual, I, I was 23 when I went back, and, and, and a young kid, had, a younger person had talked to me, he was like, I don't know, 19 or 20, and we were sitting in the chow hall, the cafeteria there, and I remember he was going through my through a few of my pictures because I had just received some mail and he said, "Hey, can I look at your pictures?" I said, "Sure." And he was looking at these old pictures that I had and he said, "Franz, you were never on drugs, were you?" I said, "No, I, I wasn't." He says, "And you looks like you were doing okay out there." I mean, it's like you know, you have money, you had cars, you have these things, you have the. Lo-. He says, "So why are you back in prison? I don't understand. Why didn't you just stop?" And you know, it was the first time anybody had ever asked me that question. And yeah. I, I, I remember pausing for a moment, and I remember just thinking to myself, and I don't know why that struck me so hard, but I just, I told him, I said, you know, man, I think for, for me, I've just never had a purpose behind my life. I, I don't think I, I don't, I just kind of do things. I, I don't, I don't really think mm-hmm. about the outcome. I just do it. I, I, I've been doing, I, but Cassie, I've been doing that all my life. I just do. I don't, I don't really think about it. It's just, if this is feeding me at the moment, this is what I'm doing. And right. I never, you know, it's like, it's, it's like what I ask kids today when I go into schools, you know, it's like, I understand you're fighting. I see you're over here. You're selling some drugs here at class. You're getting in trouble with the police now, you know, the SRO officers pulling you in every other week. I get it. I'm just, I, I, I'm not going to question you about the behavior. I'm here to ask you, so where are you going with all this, what, 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 all this stuff you're doing? What, what's the what's the final plan here? <laughs> just know what your outcome right. is. At least you know what you're aiming at, right? So, um, yeah. and and oftentimes that that's what I discovered in my own life. It was just there there was I just I just do I don't I don't have a purpose behind any of my actions. And 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 when I realized that I don't know that question really sat with me. It was the first time I ever used the word purpose in regard to, in relation to myself and to my actions. And, and that was a really defining moment in my, in my life. And I had, you know, I just received a sentence. I'm back in prison. And I never even thought about the time. I just thought about, you know, what, what is the next move for me? And at that moment, mm-hmm. I don't know, that shook me. Um, 
not long after that, uh, another significant event took place. Um, and, you know, I was, in a, I was in a prison cell in Winslow, Arizona, um, when our country was attacked. Um, that's when 9-11 happened. And yeah. on 9-11, you know, I was, it was interesting that day. I was in a, in a you know, you're, I'm in a two-man cell. You're, I, was, I was at a high-medium level. In other words, maximum high-medium. You come down one level. And that means that you're going to be locked in 23 hours a day, one hour out every day unless you have a job or you know or something like that um and so you really work hard to get a job and hold on to your job of course because you want to get out of your cell but right. 23 hours in one hour out and this particular day um it was early in the morning and i remembered uh i just remembered my cellmate and i looking at the tv screen and i remembered looking at i remembered looking at the destruction and i remembered seeing the towers fall and the craziest part, Cass, and I've been around violence all my life. So the right. violence itself of, of that day didn't bother me for some reason. It's almost like I've been desensitized to a lot of this. But, and I'm not trying to make light of what, what actually the actual attack. What I did take note of was how people responded to the whole thing that day. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was un, I mean, just listening to story after story of how police officers running into these, these crumbling buildings and pulling people out and firefighters running in and pulling people out and laying down on top of people and, you know, giving up their own lives to save other people and other people who weren't rescue workers running in to pull other people out. And just, you know, when you're in a cell and you're locked, you don't have a choice but to sit there and watch. And, and I, I, I personally think that, that that right there stirred up something in me to the, point, to the point that I couldn't believe that I actually share the same soil and the same country with people who actually are that way. And I'm sitting in this that. prison wow. in, in yeah. Winslow, Arizona, and I'm steady hurting people. And I thought about that. Why are you not fighting? Why are you not out there pulling people out? What, what is wrong? What, 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 why can't you do that? And why, what is it about these people? Because I just knew at that moment those qualities that exist within those folks did not exist within me. And I knew that. I knew they, they were driven by something else and that I obviously didn't have because everything I had was all about me and my, my whatever it was I was chasing. But I knew what they were about. Those people were pushed right. by purpose. They have something. There's a passion to what they do. Um, they think differently than me. And on that day, Cassin, I, I knew at that day, at the end of the day, I would never return back to crime. I, I just knew I, there was such a shift that took place in me and a fire that was lit that it will never, I just knew that the days of me being a criminal, me harming someone, the days of me, I just, I, I felt so, so demoralized at that, but so pushed down that, that oh, this person that I thought was everything was now, he was a joke. It was, it, it was, it was yeah. all a, it was nothing. It was just, you know, and so um, I had a lot of work to do. I knew that because I had spent my whole life, whatever that looked like as a young man, I spent all that time building up this guy that I don't even like this guy now. And, and, it's, and wow. it's like, so now you have to figure out who you are. And I guess the blessing of the day is I still had, it was 2001 and I had till 2009 till I was released. Oh and my so God. I, I, I had eight years to work on, on the new Franz Beasley, the person wow. that, that this is, this is the person. And I, and I told myself that day that this will never happen again, but I also knew that I had responsibilities. I had children out here. I had, I had, you know, I had pushed people away. I chose the crime life over my family, over my children. So many things, you know, just so many things yeah. I had done. Yeah. And I realized I think, let me that. Just stop, I said, let me stop you just for yeah. a second because I find it so 
um, interesting. I really believe that, you know, there's balance in the world. So when there's yin, there's yang. And Mm -hmm. I think it is fascinating that such a horrible um, event that took place in history was the catalyst that changed you forever. I mean, talk Mm -hmm. about finding a silver lining. It's very, uh, very powerful, very moving. Yeah, I I used to... um, yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I completely agree. It it's 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 it is the I, I know that, you know, it's it's just that day was it'll it it stays with yeah. me it stays with me to this day. I mean those it are It will forever. Sure, sure. Yeah, and it will forever. You know, it's it's the idea that and it I it think, was the idea that, Oh, I just I was gonna say I think that day changed the lives of people forever in different mm-hmm. ways and and yes. you're one of the positive stories where it changed you to become an amazing, you know, human and, and um, contributor to society. For most people, it was prob- it may have broken them and, you know, yeah. really hurt them and took loved ones or, or took their, you know, took their lives. And you are the exact opposite. And I, I love that. I love hearing that story because it gives us kind of hope, those of us listening and, you know, just to remember that in the darkest hour, there are good things that are going to, to come of that. And you are living proof of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I would, I'll also add that it was a very, uh, it was probably the most memorable day I have ever had collectively with the, with, with all the other uh, inmates that were there, all the other prisoners that were there um, because it was just a very eerie feeling everyone was hugging each other and shaking hands and people who hadn't spoken to one another uh, spoke that day. I mean, it was just, I think that everybody felt it. There were people in there saying, man, I'd I'd, I'd go fight right now if they let me fight. It it was just, you know, that, that's what I mean. It wasn't so for me, it was, it it impacted me without question, but I, I, I would be, I would, I literally, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd slap myself later if I didn't add that piece that it, it impacted that entire facility I was at, where just for a day at least it felt like we weren't in prison, we were a family, just pulling together. All yeah. of us a little bit ashamed of being of why aren't we out there with our families? Why aren't we standing wow. up for our country? Wow. Why aren't we there? It was for me, it was the most patriotic day I could ever say that. Um, yeah, yeah, that we put aside politics and everything else, and hey, you know, this is. This is serious, and I knew it didn't just impact me. It was, it was a, it was a, uh, it was an extremely uh, just a. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard of people talk about the day of Pearl Harbor, and I, yep. I and I, and you know, we, we you know, I, 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 you know, you still hear the stories of you know some of these folks that have still survived or you know have passed on, and and I think in many respects it's something along those lines. And I think I said maybe this is what they were talking about to some degree. I don't know, but sure, sure. Um, you know. But uh, yeah. I, I knew that I, I knew that I had eight years left, and I saw it as a blessing, uh, Cass, because I, because the scariest thing happened to me, um, and I and I have to sh- I share this all the time because it's it's something that that, that you know kind of jumped to the forefront of my mind was that, you know I've I've dealt with people because of the lifestyle I've lived I've 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 been around people who, um, they uh, to me that they it's almost as though they were born to. Comp- to commit crime. <laughs> I mean, it's just right. every, everything they do is just, it's like, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that they just make you feel so uneasy. It's just, I'm going to move away from this person. It, it's just, yeah. 
and I and I consider myself a pretty you know a pretty violent guy. But to realize that even in to understand that I've been around some folks that you better not turn your back on this person for two seconds. There's no telling what they're going to do. Um, and that never that never scared me as much as the day as I found out that I've been in prison now. I said, Franz, you've been to prison. You're, this is your second time in. You will have finished 14 and a half years of your life in prison. Um, and the saddest reality is you don't even know why you're here. I mean, I know I committed yeah. crimes, but you don't even know why you're committing these crimes. You don't, you yeah. don't even know the roadmap. You have never even looked at this. You're, you have your, your entire identity has been a lie. You don't know anything about yourself. You, you know, you've, all your life, you've always just put a little makeup over everything, and you just push through, and you have kind of like this two lives you live. Um, there's the side that everybody gets to see and smile, and then there's this other side where the same guy might be, you know, he's jumping over a bank counter or something or whatever. You know, you just, what is, yeah. the, you know, and so I, I've never known who that was. And that was, a, that was probably uh, the, the, the most frightening moment of my life. Um, more than anything, and I thought about that. I, I'm afraid for the first time in my life. I'm actually afraid because I, I know I can't. I'm not a criminal anymore, yet I don't know right. who so I who am. Who am I? So yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause yeah, identity you, I, crisis. I, I mean, that totally makes sense, right? If that's sure. who you have identified with um, as who you are for so long, yeah. Exactly, wow. and it's just it, it, it did. It, it, it leveled me to the point that it's like we have a lot of work to do. And so what I started finding is, is that the very cell that I was inside was the very thing that I needed. It was, the, it was it, it, all of a sudden it wasn't a curse anymore. Uh, it wasn't a prison sentence for me. Um, the very walls uh, that I hated in the beginning were the very ones that brought me comfort later um, because mm -hmm. I was able to read in there. I mean, I read everything from that moment, from the time of my release, I read over a thousand books while I was in prison uh, and not one of those wow. really being, yeah, I just spent spent time in books because I didn't, I didn't have anyone else outside of a few really great officers and a, a few great counselors that would come along, a few great chaplains. But the reality is they're very few and far between people that actually go a little, uh, go a little extra. You know, they, they, you can yeah. tell they just, they're more upbeat. They're just, you know, not to be, not to try to knock the other officers or anything, but there are just some that they spend a little bit more time talking to you and, and taking time as though they really care about you, not just their job. Right. And, uh, right, and, and right. I was fortunate to meet some of those folks, but books is where I found my kind of, that was my, that was my arena because I was able to look at myself and I, you know, I, I, I'd work in, work in a kitchen job, but I'd save up my little money and I'd buy books on, you know, I don't care. It, you call, call it self-help, call it whatever. I'd read everything. I mean, it just, I put my, I just knew I needed to feed something that was, that was, that was ultimately just, it, it, I needed to build up someone. I, and I knew I had a miseducation. I needed to get some proper education and build from there. And I knew that it wasn't about mathematics. It, it wasn't about algebra yeah. or English. It was about, I needed to build up a new Franz Beasley built on with, with good soil. And I knew that. Um, and so that's what I did for the next eight years. Um, and the thing that I discovered was is that the more I, I started working on myself, um, closing my mouth and stop talking so much, I, I actually, it was interesting, I actually started finding that more people would come to me about things, and I don't know why they started doing that, but as I started working on myself, they, for some reason, people started coming around me and asking me questions, and, and I don't know if because, mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know if I just started maturing before their eyes, you, you, you know, in prison, you're in such a small right. environment, you're just, you can't get away from anything, so I think people just noticed, maybe there's a change in this guy. And people started asking me questions. Franz, what do you think about this? And 
they would ask me questions. Hey, I haven't been able to connect with my family. You think you can help me? And I, you know, and, and, and little by little, what was interesting was I started finding that maybe I can be a resource to other people. Like maybe I can actually be useful to others. And right. uh, as I continued my, my studies, uh, I, for some reason, casting my, my, uh, my paradigm shifted over to victim advocacy. I wanted to, I found out what I wanted to do ultimately. I wanted to stand up for those that, that didn't have a choice in the crime. I wanted to stand up to, for people who, and I wanted to bring resources to them. I wanted to help them. I didn't even understand all of that at the time, but my heart went to victim. That's where it went. Um, and so I immediately, I saved up more money in prison, and I took a, 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 a correspondence course, course through Colorado State University. And, okay. uh, and I took, it took me about, I don't know, seven months, seven, eight months to finish the course. Um, and I finished with flying colors. I mean, you know, great, 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 great remarks, all that, you know. And uh, and one of one day, the, I, I had to go to the education department in the prison to actually take the course because it came with video and all this other kind of stuff. And so finally, one of the educators, the facilitators, told me, you know, Franz, everybody's very excited about the change that's going on in your life. I mean, it's evident. You, you really are very active now. You're helping people. It's great to see. But I'm going to tell you something, man. I know you're excited about this victim advocacy thing, but because of your, your background, um, you're never going to be taken seriously. Uh, nobody's going to hire you for that role. I just want you to know I don't want to be the person that, that, that has to be the bearer of bad news, but I feel like everybody's kind of they're, they're, they're patronizing you. They're, they're, they're making you right, think things, right. that, and you need to understand that who's going to hire you as a victim advocate with your background. I mean, just you have to think about this. And, you know, Caston, my first thought was um, – the first one that comes to mind, I always joke about it. I said, you know, I could kill him right now, right, with that pencil. Yeah, right. <laughs> then I said, yeah. I said, well, that would be a very good victim advocate now, would it? So I, I pulled it back. No. <laughs> so, so I said to myself, okay, down, front, down. So, but what yeah. you know, I, I knew something had taken root inside of me because for the first time in my life, Gaston, I didn't allow it to knock me back. I didn't allow it to – I didn't quit. I, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to take that on the chin and I'm going to keep moving forward. It's not the first time I've taken a punch and had to keep going. Um, yeah. And I, and I said, okay, I told him, thank you. Thank you for, for being strong enough to tell me that I appreciate that. But Kasten, what I did was I said, well, what if I could create something, um, which I've never done anything like this before, but what if I could pour my passion into a different arena? What if I could create a nonprofit? to work with individuals that are getting out of the prison system who are, and I want to be very clear, I was looking at people who are, were like me at that time, people who I feel were real life criminals, not, not somebody who, I'm sorry, I just, I'm, I, I say this again, there's a difference between criminals and there's a difference between someone who's committed a crime. And, and, yeah. I, and I was interested in that criminal element. I wanted to work with those folks, the people I felt would get out and actually do harm to other people. And I felt like if I could work with this population, this demographic, the, the, the criminal element, well, then maybe I could reduce victimization and stop new crime from happening. And in that way, I could be a victim advocate. And I started putting the framework together. I didn't know anything about nonprofits, so uh, I, I, I went and tapped one of my good friends at the time. And his mom actually said, well, what can I do to help you, help you out on this quest? Because he got excited about it. And he said, well, she said, what can I do to help out? I said, is there a book that is, consider me a, a six-year-old and I don't know anything about this, and I want to learn about nonprofits. About a week later, this book came, and it was called The Dummy's Guide to Nonprofits. Nice. <laughs> this nice. is perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, she found, she found the perfect book for me. That's what I needed. So uh, I said, we read that book like it was the Bible. That's how we read that book. And 
we put the framework together for what, it, what is today AZ Common Ground. Um, and the only other caveat to it is, is that I told um, my, my, my two good friends who were involved in this, I said, what I'd like to do is not just provide resources. That's an easy one. Um, I, I want to see if we can provide avenues where they can then possibly believe in themselves to the point that maybe they can push on and do some amazing things built on their purpose, not our purpose for them, but their purpose and their view for what is success for their life. In other words, you know, there's, there's, it's more than just getting somebody a job because that's just survival yeah. mode. And, and, and right. when, you, when you leave a person to their survival mode, when things get hard, what normally happens is they revert back to what they know. And I didn't Absolutely. want that anymore. I, I knew that people need to operate off a of passion and purpose. Cassie, that's why you and I are on this phone call right now. You don't do what you do just to do it. You, you enjoy what you do. You find fulfillment in this. Um, I wake up every day. I love what I do today. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, it's just, I, I used to wonder when people would say to me, Franz, it's not about the money. I, I would, I would, I would draw or I would do my artwork if it just brought me enough just to get by. I just, I enjoy drawing. It's, money isn't everything. I used to hear people say that. They used to say, are you kidding me? Who, you would turn right, down a, right. you turn down. And you know what, Cass, and I finally came to that conclusion. They're right. It, it's just, there's yeah. nothing like living out the person that you are every day and you enjoy it. And, and, you know, it takes off the stress of trying to, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. I just yeah. I came to discover yeah. that, that everyone, there is a real meaning and purpose behind the things that you do and the work that you do. And if you don't have that, then what are you doing? What are you just, you, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you will all, you know, you know, so I, I just, I realized that in regards to our nonprofit, I, I wanted to, that's why you'll see within our mission, um, that they move on to become, ser you know, public servants of their own. They can serve in their own way. And when I say public servants, I, I, I literally mean, I, I'm, some, I'm sorry, servant leaders. They serve in their own way. Um, and because that, however you contribute to society, that's your way. It doesn't mean you're going to be a cop. It doesn't mean you're going to be a firefighter or a rescue worker. But, man, you might just, you, there's so, so many ways to bless our communities out there. And I just wanted them to be able to tap into that, to have the courage to step into that that is beyond just working at, you know, working in, you know, at, at whatever job you may find out there. So that was the other mm -hmm. piece to what we wanted to employ within AZ Common or implement within AZ Common Ground. Um, I was released uh, July 16, 2009. And okay. at 10, you know, I remember, I remember my, my, one of my friends, he was there already. And he said, Hey man, we can start the nonprofit. Uh, once you get up on your feet, and as, as he always used to joke around, he'd say, uh, Man, he France came back and about two weeks later said, "Okay, I got the job. I'm already done. Let's go." <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. So ten, not on your ten feet. I'm after, thinking, what you you yeah, you got yeah, out of prison on your feet. Off. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just well, I just you know, I I knew that there was a mentality that was already within me that Cass that I'm I wasn't I wasn't a criminal anymore, and that's that's the thing that a yeah. lot of folks didn't understand. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Pe people that say to me, goes back to that identity. Yeah. Exactly. It just, I, I had, I had changed and it, it was, I had changed into a new person. And the thing that people didn't understand is they oftentimes say, well, Franz, you've been home from prison. Um, you know, you're coming up now, uh, you've been home, you now you're coming up July will be nine years for you. And what they didn't understand is none of that means anything to me. I stopped counting when I was in prison. When my birthday is December, is, is September 11th, 2001. Uh, I'm the only right. one that believes that, though. It, it just no one else knows yes. that. It, that was my birthday uh, of a new person that started to build from there. And, and so, you know, when I came home, it was like 
everybody, uh, yeah, I'll go through parole. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But none of that means I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so far in the left field now. It doesn't, you have to understand I'm looking on how do I serve now? How do I do this? And when they let me out, I, I, I knew I had the right to serve now. And it's just, that is such a blessing every day to wake up to know that I can serve, whether I'm paid for it or not. It doesn't make a difference to me. It's just every day there's an opportunity to make the world yeah. a better place for somebody else, just to lift it up off their shoulders a little bit. Um, and so uh, 10 months after my release, we actually launched AZ Common Ground. Uh, you know, and, and to be completely upfront, we still, just like anything, we didn't know a whole lot about this. I started a small nonprofit, excuse me, a small uh, landscaping business. Um, and, okay. and of course, at the time, at the time in 2010, foreclosures were still huge and on the rise, oh, you know, because yes. people, yes. you know, it was just a bad economy at the time, you know. And, uh, and the craziest aspect is, is that that was the, one of the first businesses I, I launched into as a small vendor. And uh, I went ahead and started this because I said, you know, I'm, I used to read up on all this stuff. It's like a lot of people get into things, and, and you know how this works. They get into nonprofits, and the first thing they think is, well, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Okay, now I got it. Let's start writing a bunch of grants, and that's going to fix it. And the thing they don't understand is, hey, man, there's a whole lot. If, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it, right? So they go and get these big yeah. books, and they're looking through books. Look, Ross, I got thousands of grant applications in here. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Go, go ahead and see how that works out for you. And then they find out six months later, hey, Francis, it's not as easy as I thought it was. I know, I know, no. because for every mm-hmm. one of those thousands, there's a, there's a million people that have that same book. So you have to, so you have to understand. Very good you know, point, right, right. Yeah, you know, it's not quite as simple as that. And so it, there's, there's more to it than that. And so what I decided is instead of trying to battle with, okay, let's try to hurry up and get a bunch of grants, which may or may not come, the first thing I thought about is, how do you bring in real dollars to support what you're doing? So I started with just starting one small business to help to fund what we were doing. And uh, mm-hmm. understanding the rules, I immediately, I was blessed to have a phenomenal accountant who's still with us today, a CPA. And in fact, I have two accountants just to make sure that everything I do, as she puts it, Franz, I always have to make sure, my job is to make sure you keep your 501c3 status. I will always warn you and smack your hand when you're doing the wrong thing. You will always make sure Good. that the lane stay in lane. You know, she just stayed on me like that. And, and uh, it was phenomenal, you know what I mean, to have. I felt like I, 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 was, I, I literally have a person in my life, in fact, two, that always keep me in my lane. Don't ever let these two lanes cross. Don't ever let this, you know, because, Franz, at the end of the day, you'll lose your status. And, uh, and I've always just been mindful of how that works. But that was how I, I, I thought of first bringing dollars into our organization, especially because we were new on the scene, and I was a guy with a conviction. I mean, I had several, I had three serious, dangerous felony convictions. Yeah, um, right. And all the carnage left behind. And so I was like, I want, I want people, I want to actually prove our worth and be transparent to what we do first uh, prior to asking anybody for a dollar. I just want to be able to, to, to show our worth prior to, you know, because I, I can't ask you to invest in, in a maybe. I, I want you to invest yeah. in, in, a, in, in the real thing. And so, you know, our stuff launched it really quickly. We were blessed uh, to have the Phoenix Police Department. Of all agencies, the first, the first mm-hmm. agency that came alongside us, uh, the Phoenix PD came along, and they were so supportive of everything that we were doing. I mean, if we wanted to do a, a, a turkey family you know, giving to just taking families. To, I mean, here they come. I mean, I've never seen so many squad cars show up in my life 
that it weren't there to rest me. They were there to actually help and deliver turkey meals. And, and do things. Yeah. I mean, it just in every way, they were so supportive of the work that we did. They, you know, it was the first time I'm sitting in the front front seat of, of cop cars and, you know, and, and, and being, you know, it just, and, and I don't mean casting just a few uh, patrol officers. I mean, all the way up to the chief, I mean, to everyone else. I mean, it's just, these are relationships that have been with me since 2010 uh, that have just been phenomenal, you know, that are still, that are, these people are still in my life, still active in our lives and still, you know, very much involved uh, in, in the work that we do out here. And then came uh, uh, the county attorney's office uh, under Bill Montgomery. I mean, just phenomenal people who believed in us. Bill Montgomery, by the way, was our county, our current county attorney, was the first one that ever told me when we were, ha- I, we, um, during a conversation he and I were having once, he told me, he said, you know, Franz, uh, there's one thing I want you to tell all of these guys is that once they're out of prison, please tell them that they have a role to play within society. They have an individual role to play. It's, it's you have a role to play. They have a role to play. And don't ever forget to tell them that. It's not just getting out and getting a job. He said, I like the way you say that, but please add that piece. And, and you know, Kasten, ever since then, I've told that to every person that comes into our offices. Every yeah. person, I've always told them that, you, don't you forget you have a role to play within society. You know, what, where we're at today, we're going to build up to something else. And what you, what you are looking to build towards, that's what I'll help you to do, so long as it's on the positive. But, but yeah. never forget you have a role to right? play. It kind of gives them, it gives them um, a responsibility in a way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly that's right. Cool. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's just since the beginning, but it's just, it's been these people. And then of course the, the just several people within the community that have come alongside us. Uh, it, it never stops. I, I could not exhaust the amount of people that have come since the, the since, since we started this to, um, to actually assist yeah. us. I, I, you know, I used to believe in, you know, the whole self-made man, self-made woman, I'm a self-made this. There ain't oh, a self-made yeah. Nobody anything. does it alone. Every, Nobody, nobody does, does it alone. And that was the greatest thing I probably discovered about all this stuff. It's like, there are some people that I don't, I, sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, we have the ebb and flow of business like, like anyone else. And there are times sure. when we're so low, I'm like, boy, how are we going to pull this out? And out of nowhere, here comes somebody. It's like, boy, I stopped even worrying about it anymore. I'm just like, every time mm. I think we're going down, here comes somebody with another tidal wave of blessings and stuff. And so I just say, you know, Franz, just keep doing good. Keep your focus. And, uh, and I, I think that's what people have gravitated to and actually believed in, believed in me, believed in what we do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so today, yeah, so today uh, you know, I, I can honestly say we are, you know, our, we've, we've been extremely successful and I'm very fortunate for that. I mean, you know, we've, we see about two, I don't know, two to two, about 220 new faces each month. I mean, new, new connections each month. Um, and the majority of those folks are really just looking for uh, quick, quick resources, jobs, you know, bus passes, you know, uh, clothing and so forth. But sure. those that actually trust us within our programs, Cassie, they're doing very well. Our, our, our retention rate is, is phenomenal. We're connecting them with great employment opportunities. And more importantly, what I, what I get the biggest kick out of is when people went from you know, not sure if they if they were teeter-tottering between crime and doing the right thing. And now today to see them walking into a child support office, the DES office, and paying their child support. And, and you know, yeah. I, I can't pay the whole 200 I said, well, how much did you take down there? I took 100 down there. That's what I could afford. I said, well, that's much better than the zero you had been doing for the last two that's years. Right. So good that's for right. you. Yeah. Do it again. You get down there. You let your child know that you care enough to put some money in there. You make sure you stay on this and don't, don't walk away from it. I just, 
it's just to me that means so much to me when I see these guys. They're now they're not battling over crime anymore. They're battling. They're upset because they couldn't make their entire payment. <laughs> now that to me, I love it. Is, I love that. Yeah, you know, those are the type of struggles I like to hear. And people wonder, right. is it is it is it about the fact that he's driving a new car? Or is this not? I'm excited no. about that guy that got down there, and he cares enough that he's almost in tears because he couldn't make the entire payment this month. That to me means something to me because that that's that exactly, means there's yeah, real change. Yeah. That's exactly right, you know. So right, that's right. where that's where we're at today, you know. <laughs> I love it, and um, so I want to just um, jump in on a couple things you had mentioned earlier that you have kids. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your kids? I mean, I obviously follow you on social media. We're friends, and so I see the pictures that you post, and it just warms my heart. But can you share a little bit about? Um, that, those relationships and, and where how those started and kind of where they're at today and how you built that back up? You know, uh, so great question. It's, it's the most sensitive area in, in my life, um, uh, obviously, because it's, it's where, where I feel that um, I've done probably the most, most, uh, most damage, uh, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I can, I can name a thousand crimes I've probably committed in my life, um, but, but leaving, leaving my children behind, um, to choose to choose a lifestyle um, where it, without question is something I you know it, we, they all say don't have regrets in life and so I do have regret I, I have you know it's, sure. it's it's because you know even though today yes it's much better and you know we're 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 on a different level the, the but the reality is is that it's it's you know you, children don't deserve that and it's right. it's you know I, I I grew up unfortunately I did something that my father my father as much as I may say about him my father had. Uh, children by by my mother he all of his children are by one woman you know and they were married and under one household you know and and the reality is is that unfortunately you know I I I love my children I love but the reality is is that yeah I I had two children prior to my prior to going away the first time I mean different women I mean I fell into I fell into what um, I fell into what is probably in my opinion one of the biggest problems within many communities is that there are there are there is one man having uh, sexual relations with several women and impregnating them and, and not having any interest in really raising those children. And so, wow. you know, yeah. it's, 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 you know, when you're, when you you know, you go into a system where, you know, I, I was, man, I was 19 when I went in the first time I already had two kids and, you know, you think about it, you're like, my God, I, I yeah. felt bad about that. But then you sit there and you say to yourself, Bronx, 14 and a half years, you have to think 14 and a half years and you've been out one year of that whole time. And, you're not with either of these mothers. It's that, you know, and, it's, and, and I guess it's mm. best that I wasn't because I was still in the lifestyle. But the reality is at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you meet guys and they're, you know, 13 kids, 12 kids. And I'm like, golly, he's only oh, a year older God. than me. What was, you know, it's like, what? And so you sit there, <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, so today, I, I, I guess I, I got on another tangent. I, I should pull it back. No, but that's okay. The reality no, is, is just that. Important. It, you know, you, you start realizing when we talk terms like prison to pipeline and things of this nature, I, I'm all good with, 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 with justice reform issues and so forth. But so long as they always lead back to the beginning, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not enough just to drop them on the teachers and then drop them on to the SRO officers and to say, well, this is the no, you have to start in the home. And how did this because some of these children literally are barely holding it together. Uh, because yeah. as a father yeah. who as a father who who abandoned my children for the street, I mean literally, I have to think about that. Um, you know the the reality, and then go away for all those years in prison, and you're you're leaving them there with a single mom who's barely holding it together when you left, and now it's like, 
you know, it's like, okay, so whatever happened with her, and now she's working two jobs, like most people trying to make it happen. And, and now, so who's left really, you know, so hopefully she's there or she's not. You know, it's just a million little things. I just simply say sure. that whatever discussion we have around that, we always have to begin at the beginning. Um, what exactly does home base look like? Um, and, you know, because I, I just, I, I know how it impacted my children and to think about all that, you know, all those years just, just away. I, I met my daughter when she was almost 10 years old, you know, and uh, it, was, it was just to think that way. I, I, I was introduced to my daughter at 10, you know, almost at 10. I mean, that's something to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and to, yeah. to see that Absolutely. there she was. She's just standing there on the sidewalk, and it's like, wow, she looks just like me. Wow, look. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, wow, yeah. what, what a coincidence, yeah. right? She looks just like yeah. me, you know, and I'm just like, imagine you know that. what? Yeah. yeah, imagine that, right? So I'm just sitting here just thinking, and although our relationship today, I'm, I'm so blessed. I, I, I love her. I mean, and but, you know, and she loves me, uh, which is even more important. <laughs> she loves me and thinks yeah. the world of me. Yeah. But the reality is, is that, you know, I never forget. I never forget. Um, I, every day it's a reminder. It's like, wow, I, I, look, at, I, look, at, uh, I look at babies. I look at children walking through the mall with their, with their dads and their moms. And I must admit sometimes, yeah. Cass, and there's a little bit of envy there for me. It's, it's oh, like, sure. wow, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, just, it's just the, the idea of it as, you, as, I, as I awaken and I, and, I, and I continue to evolve as a person. It, it, you know, it does. And um, to be transparent on that, it's, it's the most sensitive area. The, the one thing mm-hmm. that I always wanted to make sure that I gifted my children with um, today was that I just always wanted them to, when they caught up to me, because I didn't, you know, to, to be able to say that whatever my dad is, I'm, I may be upset with him. Maybe I never knew the guy, maybe he's this, but if they ever saw me on television or saw some report about me or heard a podcast, I just always wanted them to be able to catch up to a father that at least they could at least say, Hey, you know what? Maybe he learned through all this, that at least he's setting an example now, or just to be a better person. I just, I I just didn't, I, I, that was the one gift I wanted to give them that to not to dishonor them in any other way and to make sure that they have it like that. And so, yeah, but but today, I mean, they're, they're doing great. I mean, you know, my daughter's, you know, full-time college student, she's doing phenomenal in school. And, and uh, I mean, just, what can I say? I mean, I'm, I'm extremely blessed, but what I'm, what I'm more fortunate to have, uh, to have had is not Franz Beasley, but to have the mothers that have been strong enough to to, to raise these, raise these children right while I was absent. Um, that is what I'm more fortunate yeah, that, to just to, to be able to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're the ones give them that hold the credit, it together. For sure. Yeah, for I, sure. I get I get to come home and see these wonderful, well-behaved, very well-mannered young people, and 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 I and I, you know, I always have to take a, a bow and knee to them. They they are the ones that did that. Yeah. I had nothing to do with that. I just try to catch up and do what I'm supposed to do today and set the best example right. that I can. You know, so good. I love that. Um, Wow, I have just so many different uh, areas I want to go to. Um, I wanted to ask you, have you ever heard of a guy named John Joseph? John Joseph? Um, I, I don't, John I don't Joseph. think so. so. So he is from the streets of New York and, um, you know, really rough, rough uh-huh. childhood and um, was in all kinds of trouble and found his way out. And uh, he now is very much it's so interesting the parallels that i hear between how he lives his life and what his purpose is and his whole life is about service right so when you were talking about you you're you feel so blessed that every day you get up and you can make a difference there's something you mm-hmm. can do there's someone you can serve and he lives his life very much that way and he is um he, he made a documentary called 30 to life and okay. it's taking 12 um 
12 former inmates uh, to this house in Los Angeles and just teaching them and learning from them. And I haven't seen it yet. I don't actually think it's out yet, but um, I listened to the interview where he's kind of talking about that. And it, it was, it's just fascinating. And, if, and I'll try to um, figure out a way to get you two connected because I think uh, he would be a great resource for you and you would be a great resource for him. Um, sure. Just fascinating. Um, another gentleman is a guy named John uh, McAvoy. Mac- Mac- no, John McVeigh. Yeah, John McVeigh. He is a British guy, young guy, grew up in a life of crime, literally the mob, and was in jail by 16 and back in jail and back in jail. And, you know, um, one day uh, he, like you were saying, wanted to get out of his cell, and so he would go to the gym. And he started on the rowing machine. And it turns out he was a natural athlete, which he never knew because he was always Mm. living a life of crime. And had this insane athletic ability. And uh, one of the prison guards took note of him and helped him, even came in on his days off to help train him and just believed in him. And the guy is out of prison. Uh, He is still on parole, but he is one of the top Ironman athletes in the world. He's wow. Nike sponsored, Nike sponsored, which is a really big deal um, yeah. to take, you know, someone who is incarcerated for most of his life and, and you know, very violent crimes and um, is such an inspiration now. And he credits so much of it to um, this prison guard that took a special interest. And you were talking as well about how every once in a while there was a prison guard or somebody that worked there that just cared a little bit. And um, John Joseph talked about that as well and the inmates that he's interviewing uh, in this documentary, how it's, it can take one person showing a little bit of interest that changes their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would love to dive into that deeper with you someday, even if it just means you and I sitting down over lunch and and trying to figure out some of that, because I I think that that's so true. I recently lost my father, and I tell everyone, my father was my biggest cheerleader. The reason that I have done so much in my life is that every crazy idea I had, my dad was right behind me, backing me all the way, no matter how crazy it was. And sure. it's amazing what you can do when one person believes in you. And yeah. um, so I, I'll get you some information on both of those gentlemen. And I, I just think it's, there's so many common themes that I hear. And prison reform is a big one. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure. sure that you have a lot of um, good ideas around that and, and know that that needs to change. But it's, it's really fascinating. I think what you're doing is incredible. And I, I shared in the introduction to this podcast how you and I met and just a little bit about the, the police that were involved in that. And I have always believed that, well, for one, our society, our culture does not really make it a, an easy pathway for people to stay out of a life of crime once they get out. And part of that is because of that box that they have to check that says, you know, I'm a felon. And I know some states are getting away from that, but, um, you know, very few people are willing to give those people a chance. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, and I raised, I was in venture capital for 11 years, and I just see this um, 
you proved it when you said that you started a landscaping business to fund your nonprofit to get it going and keep the doors open. Um, I think there is a great correlation between being able to be your own boss and, um, you know, uh, being someone who has a felony on their record. Um, I also think that a lot of criminals, at least some of the ones that I've met, are pretty resourceful people. You know, when you're heading up um, a gang of or a group of drug dealers, let's say, and you're coordinating all of that. I mean, I, I watched the movie um, American Gangster, right? The, the story of Frank Lucas and what an operation he ran. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, well, I mean, if this was just a legit business, you would be so amazing, right? Because of the skill set that went, went into that and the dedication and the organization. And I would love to be a part of more of what the end that you're doing, which is really helping inmates after they get out to contribute to society and play that role and have opportunities. Um, so that's just me going off on a tangent, and uh, we can talk about that later. But um, I, I just love this subject. I love what you're doing. And I'm going to ask you to dive a little bit deeper because I know that you're doing something else that is going to blow everyone's mind. It blows my mind. It's a huge problem, and you are single-hand. I won't say single-handedly. I know it always takes a team, but um, you are spearheading a major, major issue that needs um, awareness and advocacy. And uh, I think you know what I'm getting at. So. Um, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about what, what else you're doing there in Phoenix. Okay, beautiful. So um, I, if, if you don't mind, I, I just wanted to just dovetail on one thing really quickly. Yeah, the, uh, absolutely. You sure. brought up, the, you know, brought up the, of the two gentlemen that had, had been in prison, you know, had been in, you know, come through some pretty trying times in their own lives and then now doing very well. And then, of course, uh, speaking of your father, um, and, and, and my condolences to you, uh, Kasten. Uh, the you. the one the one uh, the one thing that I, I just I, I just wanted to throw this in here is that what each of those people, including your father, and, and, and you know it all goes down. What I feel is one thing is that when you have those crazy ideas and he's there, just his very presence probably provided something for you. Um, the same thing with those officers inside the system that cared a little bit more. Um, those chaplains, those individuals. Um, family members, I mean, can be what they provide sometimes is just the needed hope that we need. Um, that, that hope, I, I, I didn't understand the power of hope before. Um, mm -hmm. But, I, yeah. you know, it's just the reality is, is that, you know, it provides just, just, just a drop of hope sometimes changes your whole day. It's the idea that I can yeah. get through this or maybe I am worth this or maybe it's not such a crazy idea. Let's move forward with it anyway. It's, it's what those people do. Uh, and that's what I, that, at least that's how I see it. Uh, it's, it, hope is a hope sometimes is the only thing you have left sometimes. <laughs> and it's, it's just, yeah. you know, and, and you have to hold on to something, especially in, in times when um, it's so dark, what are you supposed to do? You know, but just, just someone speaking a simple word sometimes changes everything, um, no matter how dark it is. Um, so yeah. I just wanted to add that in there. And, uh, 
yeah, I, I just so yeah, enough of all that. I sound like I'm. I sound like a. I sound like no, I'm no. This is it's, it's very true. And you listen. I mean, some of the people that are going to be listening to this podcast might be in their dark day, and they may um, be looking for hope. And they, or they maybe they have a family member that is in a difficult situation, and this maybe makes them reach out to them and remind that person that there is hope and that they believe in them. So everything you say is so worthwhile, Franz. Please don't feel like you're you know, going on too much. I love it. <laughs> nice. Okay, great. Uh, so, and, and in regards to what we're working on now, one of the, the campaigns, uh, uh, so within our, within our programming, we offer classes. One of the many services that we offer um, are, are classes just across the board. I mean, they, uh, some of these are just to help people acclimate back into society again. I mean, literally, they have been in so long, they just need a group to kind of support them through the process. And I try to create, my goal is to create a community of individuals that are supportive through this process and to let them know that they're not by themselves. One of the things that I always share with my guys and gals is one simple thing. Don't try to figure things out on your own. If it gets tough, if you get at a place where your head feels like it hit the ceiling and you can't go any further, then call me, okay? We can try to knock the ceiling off together. I don't want you trying to figure it out. Just come back. Mm -hmm. So it was as simple as Mm -hmm. that. And it's worked well, but some of these folks actually go on to graduate our programs, and some of them came to me uh, a few years back and said, Franz, we want to we wanna volunteer. We don't want to volunteer the way we've been volunteering. We want to volunteer in our own way. I said, what does that mean? We want to create our own group where we can start addressing issues we want to actually address, which I, I absolutely love that. They floored me when they came to me with that. Um, and so I said, okay. I, I provided the space for them provided everything they needed, and we began the process of building what today we call IMPACT, uh, which is actually AZ Common Ground's community outreach group. It's called the Innovative Movement. IMPACT is an acronym, Innovative Movement okay. Proactively Against Criminal Thinking. That's what they came up with. And uh, Great. so they, ta- they, tackle, they tackle everything. We started off with a Respect Our Daughters campaign. And the Respect Our yeah. Daughters campaign first focused on domestic violence. And so we put together a theatrical play. It was actually a play I wrote while I was in prison, and we actually produced it and and directed it and put it out in prison. We traveled with that play, actually. Um, and, and And I had presented it to them as a possible means to get their message out about domestic violence. They loved it. So People who had never acted before became actors, and they went and, you know, we traveled around the valley and did the play. And so, and then next up, we were doing statistics. I was actually doing statistics with the group, researching statistics on domestic violence. When I came across this one link uh, that had to do with sex trafficking, and for some reason, I don't know, Catherine, I just, I clicked on this link. I'm like, why is this involved here? And I clicked on this, and all of a sudden, this unbelievable world of all these stats and what sex trafficking is and, you know, how it impacts our world, our our young girls, our children, just across, I I had no clue. I mean, it just like, I was like, where, where has this been? And why have I not, why do I not notice this? I mean, what, well, how does it, how was that possible? I didn't see this. And uh, one of the things that, that it dawned on me right away is that um, I come out of a, I come out of a culture, um, oftentimes the streets where uh, pimps are, pimp, Pimps are not unknown to me. I mean, I've known people who pimp all their lives. I've known women that are in the lifestyle all my life. Only before before prison, this seemed like a normal thing to me. It was like, hey, they've made those decisions. That's, that, that's kind of like his cup of tea. That's his bag. That's what they do. That's not what I do, but that's what they do. And that, that was just the end of it. It was just normal normalcy to me. 
And what I noticed is, is that when reading all of these things and educating myself on, I must have spent a week just reading, reading, reading on all of this. And what dawned on me is that I had turned what is abnormal into normal in my head. And I realized that this is, no, this is not, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the, you know, and I realized what sex trafficking was and got into all of that. And all of a sudden, uh, the whole terminology of pimping and this, that, and the other all became something completely different to me. It became a curse word, not something that I wanted to keep promoting. And so, you know, everything, everything in the neighborhood yeah. is, hey, man, pimp this, pimp that, hey, that thing's pimp. It's just, you know, you just, you get, you, it's just, as I said before, it's turning abnormal things into normal things. And it just, I said, no, 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 no. And so I brought this to the group and immediately they were all over it. They said, yeah, definitely. We definitely want to go at this next. So Respect Our Daughters now turned into, uh, we went after a full sex trafficking campaign because what I saw in the Valley, and, and this is, this is, uh, this is in no, please, uh, there are several organizations in, in, in the Arizona, in Arizona that are working to address this way before I ever read that, you know, tap that link. But uh, so I want to be very clear about that and what I say. But uh, the thing that I what I took note of is that oftentimes I would see I would Google pictures. I'd look for images and so forth to prepare our flyers. And what kind of what kind of got under my skin a little bit was that all the pictures were for some were, were from somewhere else. It was like they were from another oh. state or they were from here. And I said to myself, well, where are the pictures of us picketing and, and showing people and getting out in the street? Because Cassie, that's the only way I know how to do anything. Boardrooms yeah, and executive yeah. rooms are great. Executive suites are wonderful, and we can go sit up in this conference hall. But I, I'm a street guy, and I get in the street, yep. and and I and that's how I get information out. I the fastest way for me. Don't get me wrong. I love it through social media. I love this, but I want if I can get down on a corner and hold signs and and stop people and people talking to me and asking what's going on. That's how I know how to do things. It's, it's, I'm right. still a street cat. Grassroots. I'm just, a, yep. I just, I just yep. do it for good. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. the same thing. Well, so and there might be sex trafficking going on in boardrooms. I'm sure there is, but the majority mm-hmm. of it is probably happening on the streets. So you're going yeah. straight to the source. Good yeah. And I, I just, and what, what we saw is uh, channel 12 news had sent out this picture. It was the hubs, the actual high, the traffic hubs uh, that, that are in the Valley. And I, I had, mm-hmm. I had reached over to uh, the Phoenix police department and I had asked, I said, Hey, is this picture that they put out, is this thing still relevant? They said, unfortunately, yes, it's very relevant. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right now we can, yeah. Wow. The, the, yeah. It, it, these are these higher so, so of course, it was easy for me. Let's pinpoint those areas. That's where I want to hit. I want to hit them hard. I don't want this to be a campaign that goes away. This isn't something I told the group, if we're going to do this, this isn't something we're just going to, we're just going to, you're going to do a march one day and we're going to leave it alone and everybody go home and have cookies. No, we're going to stay on this. We're going to stay on it. I don't yeah. care if five of us are out here. I don't care if 500 are out here. We're going to be out here. These are the areas we're going after. Channel 12 News, unbeknownst to them, actually gave me a roadmap, and it's, it's, you can't give me a roadmap and think I'm going to back off of it. So, <laughs> so it made it real easy for me. I knew exactly where to go. So it was really simple, you know. So, um, yeah, so our anti-sex trafficking campaign, uh, our Respect Our Daughters campaign is going on. Uh, now we are, we've decided now, because AZ Common Ground is a, is a, a reentry organization um, for individuals getting out. We've now decided to go ahead and turn Respect Our Daughters into an actual 501c3 so that we can actually, I want to actually put and promote this and push it out there. And I want to put it on fuel because I felt like one thing to be a campaign, it's another thing to 
to, uh, you know, to, to, I don't want people missing the point. Sometimes people are like, Ron, you're that sex trafficking organization. No, we're not. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're actually a oh, reentry. You know, oh, you know, so we, yeah. we, we start this. So now we're actually turning Respect Our Daughters uh, into a nonprofit um, and, and continuing to push that work. And, and as I told, I told uh, the team there, I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it all the way. We're not, we're not backing off of this. And they said, absolutely. So, um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just fortunate to to have a group of of, of individuals like them who, uh, it's great when I look at the pictures and I was looking at the pictures um, from this weekend's past March, it was something interesting, casting that was so cool. I was looking at it was a small group of us that were left over and we just took a picture with some of the law enforcement officers. The law enforcement officers, the Phoenix Police Department gets out there and they make sure that the traffic is just held up when marching and so forth. So they're very much out of the way, but they just make sure traffic is is uh, making sure because you have children out there, there's just all sorts of things. They just want to make sure everybody's safe. Um, so that's they, so they have to be out there with us. And, and they, were, um, they were out there. And interestingly enough, I, we took this picture and I'll actually post it uh, probably sometime this week. But what was interesting to me is that I was looking at the gentlemen getting that have gotten out of prison, including myself. And there must have been probably 100 years there of prison time there wow. and probably about 100 years of cop time there on the cop side. It was just very interesting. Yes. I was just, it yeah. just dawned on me. I was looking at the pictures and I was like, wow, it just, you know, you know, it just, it, you know, it just, it just lets me know how, how lives truly can change, especially when, they're just associated with with just living out their passion. There's guys are just out there smiling, you know, and and it's just the difference between just enjoying living life, knowing that you're you're making a difference today, and you know, right. just watching the guys out there and they're they're making their own signs, they're getting out there holding things with, you know, nobody would know these guys. Some of these guys, these guys, this guy was a former drug dealer. This guy was in for murder. This guy was this. This guy amazing. was you know, it's been in you know, 20 years here, seven here, three here, 14 and a half here. Nobody knows that because. Yeah. That's not what we're here to promote. We're here to promote, you know, it's, it's just an amazing thing how quickly you can change your image and put a new brand on yourself if you truly want to. And they, yeah. they inspired me just looking at that picture is all I'm saying. So. I bet. I bet. It is interesting, right? I think um, I'm 46 now, and I think about, well, what if I wanted to all of a sudden change and do something totally different? And I think about stories like this, and, and I know that at any time I could do whatever. It's never too late. You can always change. You can live your life differently tomorrow than you are today. And right. I find a lot of comfort in that. I, mm-hmm. I never want to feel like, oh, I'm stuck and this is my role for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. As new things come up, you know, I, I want to be able to, hey, that really speaks to me. I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a great story. Um, okay, so Franz, tell, uh, let's, let's talk about how people can a, get a hold of you or get involved or follow you. Can you share some of that with us? And I will, yeah, by absolutely. the way, I, I, type, I type up show notes so that if people don't have pen and paper while they're listening to this, if they're driving or walking or whatever, um, it is going to all be in the show notes. But if you could tell us how people could get involved and get a hold of you and follow you, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they can go to our website, uh, Arizona Common Ground, all spelled out, ArizonaCommonGround.org. They can reach us, reach me through the uh, through the website, uh, you know, and just through the contact us page. Uh, they can also catch me through our AZ Common Ground uh, Facebook page. 
Uh, they can also reach us there. And, and also they can reach out to me directly, uh, I mean, just through Franz Beasley on Facebook. And also uh, through our website, uh, through, excuse me, through our email, azcommongroundatlive.com, L-I-V-E.com. Uh, they can also reach us through there. Um, and, yeah, and they can easily get involved. I mean, there's several ways. I mean, we, we have uh, volunteer opportunities. I'd love to see what their interests are um, as far as, you know, getting involved. Would they like to mentor someone in one of our programs? Uh, would they like to go and work with us and, you, you know, as we work in prevention uh, with youth and, and some of the schools that we go into uh, where, you know, some of these kids are in a lot of trouble, and so helping to work sure. with them or, or mentor them. Uh, they can also uh, work with us on our, our sex trafficking uh, anti-sex trafficking campaigns. I mean, there's several ways that we volunteer, uh, but the reality is, is that ours are pretty simple. It's, 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 it's either we're in prevention, we're, we're in re- reentry, or of course, uh, now our main focus with our campaigning, as far as our volunteering, is the anti-sex trafficking move uh, that we're going to be a, we're going to be associated with for a very long time until we become a new nonprofit. And we'll be, I'll be, we, you can interview me about that one later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know thing. what? I definitely will. I definitely will. And um, that's great. And and I had mentioned to you, I know prior to, uh, you know, doing this recording, I had mentioned to you that I created an online class that um, is a a standalone class so people can take it whenever they want. I don't need to be present. And it teaches people how to raise startup money, you know, if they want to start a business. And um, I want, I I decided that I wanted to offer that uh, free of charge to people who were um, former inmates that wanted to, you know, were thinking about maybe starting a business or wanted to learn how to raise money for their business. And so uh, I want to offer that first, you know, through AZ Common Ground. I mean, I want you guys to be the the beginning of that. And so Thank hopefully you. you and I can talk a little bit later and, and figure out how to make that connection and do that. And um, I think everybody can be part of the solution on some level if everybody just figured out what it was that they had to contribute and what they were good at and their skill set. And uh, they can help because everybody benefits when there's less incarceration and less crime. And um, so I, I'm so happy that I know you and that I get to be a part of this. And I'm just in awe of your life story and what you do day in and day out. It's you're like the Energizer Bunny. I'm blown away at the, the amount of energy that you have. And it's just, it's motivating to, to be a part of and watch every day. And um, I'm actually not even going to jump into these other questions that I usually ask everybody at the end of the podcast because honestly, I, I've kept you long enough and there's just so much good information on this podcast. And I don't want to taint it with anything else or, or take us down a different path. So we'll save some of the other questions for our next podcast. And um, is there anything that you wanted to share or anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about before we you wrap know, it up I, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, no I, I actually appreciate the time today. I appreciate having known you as well. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I thank you. You know, I, I, I oftentimes, you know, I, I get asked a lot for interviews or, hey, can I do a report or this? But I, I only give those to, to, to people who I feel that you were one of those people that I, when I first met, that you gave of yourself. 
and and, and wanted to spend a lot of time with with members, uh, uh, you know, uh, with some of our students and so forth over at AZ Common Ground. So when you when you requested, of course, I'm going to do it because I just appreciate it. You you're you're a servant yourself, and you you look for ways of helping other people. So it was that was an easy one for me to do this oh, this morning. And, but I I also just you know it's something I always leave. Um, everyone with is that it's just something that I've learned in my own life. It's something I'm learning to con- hopefully continue to implement in my life is that um, one of the, the, the things that, that I try to leave with most audiences is just that, um, you know, especially if you're parents is that ne- never, never let your children not for one day ever not know that you, that they matter to you, that, that, that they are, they are the, they are the very air that you breathe. Um, mm. I just, I, 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 it's, you know, they, they, they can't ever have that doubt in their head that they were a second thought or that they're not the priority. Um, and I just wanted to say that because I, I know that there's, you know, I, I just, I know there are so many people who are trying, um, you know, to, to try, trying to make ends meet and they're trying to do things and maybe they're trying to get their businesses off the ground, which even takes more time. I just, I can't stress it enough in regards to just, I, I've seen, you know, in my own life, and I see it in the lives of so many people I work with, is that I always begin at the beginning. And it's, it's uh, I just can't say it enough that I, I think that so much of this, um, so many of the issues that we're currently facing in our country um, will be taken care of when we begin loving our children, the ones that we bring in, uh, yeah. with, you know, with just, just with an home. unbelievable level. It really does. And that, that's all yeah. I have. I, I have no, nothing more. <laughs> yeah. No, it's beautiful, and it's, it's a great place to end this. Um, I did want to share with you that uh, I still stay in touch with uh, some of the students that I met um, through you and um, AZ Common Ground. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, wow. okay, great. Yeah, I'm still in touch with some of them. I love it. And, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to meet more and get more involved. And uh, <clears throat> I just appreciate your time so much, Ron. You make the world a better place. And um, I look forward to having you on again. And um, if there's ever anything that I can do for you or there's anything that you want me to ask my listeners to do for you, please do not hesitate to ask. No, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. You bet. Well, you have a great rest of your day, Franz. I love you, and uh, we'll chat again soon. No, I love you too. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Wasn't that amazing and moving? I really think that if we could highlight more people like the Franz Beasleys of the world and more folks got involved, I think we could really make a difference in the prison system and just reoffending rates and so on and so forth. So if you guys have any ideas of other folks that I could interview, um, I'd love to have them on the show. Maybe we could do a big group interview with folks that are doing things in this arena. Um, Likewise, if you would like to get in touch with Franz, if you would like to help out in some way, um, I'm going to have the information in the show notes, so you can look for them there. But uh, just feel free to look up AZ Common Ground. azcommonground.org is their website. And and just fill out the contact us, and it'll go straight to Franz. And again, I'll have everything in the show notes. Uh, I hope you love this one. I hope you share it with lots of folks. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to being in your ears again very soon. Thank you.